Welcome to the Bunyip and Ayotashli podcast. Welcome back to the Bunyip and Ayatoshli podcast. This is Bob, and I'm your host here, and I wish you a happy new year, since it is a new year, 2021. I also wish that you would like and subscribe on whatever platform you're able to listen. And if you'd like to put something in the tip jar just to start off the new year, I would really love it. But Even if you can't, Happy New Year. And I have today a story for you from Robin Walton, read by Colin Higgins, a young man that is taking acting lessons with Robin. I will let Colin take it from here. Timeless Baseball by Robin Walton, read by Colin Higgins. After 30 All-Star games, the 11 boys from Batavia, Illinois, were stuck in the mud on the way to Williamsport. They were on a small side road leading from the motel back to the highway. Coach Terry got out in the pouring rain to inspect the situation. Okay, everybody out of the van, he leans in to tell the boys. But it's raining, complained Scott. We'll get wet, adds Mike. Everybody out, says Coach Jim, Robbie's father got to make the van lighter. Grumbly and still sleepy in the barely dawn hour, the boys grab their jackets and get out onto the muddy road amidst the thunder and lightning. But the van is still too heavy. Coach Jim gets out and has his son Robbie get behind the wheel. Both coaches and most of the larger boys start to push the van when a brilliant flash of lightning strikes the van. At that exact moment, a free quirk charm particle was created at Fermilab and shot out at near the speed of light, colliding with the electricity from the lightning bolt causing a rift in the space-time continuum. Before the sound of thunder follows, the van, with Robbie inside of it, disappears. Robbie looks around at the suddenly sunny morning. The rain and bad weather are gone. He looks behind him. The guys are gone. His dad is gone. Everybody's gone! Robbie opens the door and hops out of the driver's seat. Walking around the van twice, he realizes that something happened. Looking down, he sees that the road is no longer there. The van is now in the middle of a field. Remembering his Morse code from one of his early merit badges, Robbie honks, short, 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 long, 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 Short, short, short! The international distress signal. He honks it several more times before he decides to conserve the batteries of the van. He looks around. The big hill the motel was on is still there, but there is no longer a motel. Getting out of the van, Robbie hollers, Hello! As he listens to only his echo, he realizes that he is alone. He's not lost. He's right with the van. It's the other guys that are lost. Knowing that he must stay near the van, knowing that the worst thing he can do is to leave it, he decides to explore the immediate area around the van. 
He gets back into the van and grabs his backpack. He snags a couple of waters from the ice chest. And just for safety, he brings one of the aluminum bats with him. He decides to hike up the hill to where the motel was to get a look around. Grrr! A snarling wolf suddenly comes from behind a clump of bushes. Robbie brings his bat up to defend himself if necessary. He knows that a dog would be unlikely to attack, but he had no idea about a wolf. Go away! He shouts at the skinny, hungry creature, swinging his bat to possibly scare away. Go away! The wolf falls down, a spear suddenly sticking out of its side. Robbie stands there, watching the dying twitches of the wolf, when he sees a boy suddenly creeping to reclaim his spear. Who are you? Robbie timidly asks. The boy, keeping a wary eye on Robbie, puts his foot on the wolf and yanks out his spear. Hello? Robbie says again, watching the boy hold his spear up like he's going to throw it. Robbie realizes that with his baseball bat, he might be perceived as a threat. He gently puts it down and takes off his backpack. I'm friendly, see? He says, holding up his empty hands. Thanks for saving my life. I'm Robbie, he says, pointing to himself. Robbie, he repeats. Who are you? Kaznezblit says the boy in his own language, lowering the spear. Robbie looks over at his savior and sees a boy that is a few inches smaller, a lot skinnier, but with much more defined muscles, darker skin, and almost naked. He has several pouches tied on various strings hanging around his waist, one larger pouch over his shoulder. Do you want a cookie or something to drink? Robbie says, trying to make friends with someone who spoke a different language. Fleetfeet stands spear-ready as Robbie rummages through his backpack. He opens a package of Oreos and offers one. These are cookies, Robbie says, eating one himself. Fleetfeet carefully reaches out and takes a cookie. He takes a bigger bite and gives his first smile to Robbie. See? They're good! Robbie says, opening a water bottle. He takes a sip, then offers it to Fleet Feet. The Indian boy grasps the water bottle and studies it carefully. He sniffs the container, as well as the water, before taking a sip. He hands it back to Robbie and pulls the pouch off his shoulder. He unfolds the top and takes a small sip of his own water before holding it out to Robbie. Closing up his bottle, Robbie takes the guard and carefully sips. Water, Robbie says, pointing the book containers. Mibbish, says Fleetfeet in his own language. Peace and water sharing having been established, Fleetfeet pulls a knife from one of his hanging pouches. He sits down and starts to clean the wolf. Although it does not have too much meat, he does not want the kill to go to waste. Although a little grossed out, Robbie watches the process. So, do you know where we are? Robbie asks. I mean, I think I know where we are, but when are we? 
I mean, when is this year? What year? Fleet Feet listens, but of course does not understand anything. Get some brush and sticks for a fire, he says in his own language. Robbie doesn't understand the words, but as soon as he sees Fleet Feet gathering wood, he realizes what is needed and helps gather. Fleet Feet carefully arranges everything, then pulls the boats and some sticks off his shoulders, as well as some dry moss from a pouch. He uses the bow to spin the stick against another stick, which he holds with his feet. Then when the smoke starts to come from the friction, he places the moss. He carefully blows on this, and puts it in exactly the right location to start the fire. After just a few minutes, he has the meat roasting. Robbie shares more cookies with his new friend, as the meat cooks. They each share water with each other, alternating sips and containers. Sitting in the dark, watching the sparks leap from the fire, Robbie is reminded of something his dad explained to him about tiny particles called quarks. When the particle accelerator at Fermilab, where his father worked, blasted the particles together, it created tiny, virtually invisible subatomic particles that only remained stable for a short amount of time. They were always trying to increase the speed of the collision, discovering smaller and smaller particles. The drawings of the collisions reminded Robbie of the sparks from the fire. Robbie began to get homesick and missed his mother and father. After eating, Robbie indicates for Fleet Feet to follow him back to the van. Robbie gets in the van and gets a couple of gloves and a ball. He then shows Fleet Feet how to wear the glove and proceeds to explain and mostly demonstrate how to play catch. Fleet Feet is a fast learner and can soon throw the ball far harder and more accurate than Robbie. Robbie wishes that the boy was on their team, then gets homesick, wishing they weren't separated. During one of their breaks, Robbie gets some candy out of his friend Scott's backpack and shares it with Fleet Feet. They share water again as the day turns into night. Fleet Feet prepares another fire near the van, as Robbie gathers big branches to turn into a bonfire. Clouds begin to form, and a slight drizzle starts. The drizzle quickly turns into a full-on downpour, while the thunder and lightning fill the sky with light and sound. Fleet Feet refuses to follow Robbie into the van, and makes his own bed underneath. Robbie starts the car and gives the SOS honk, as the lightning once again strikes the van. The free quark charm particle had finally resolved into nothingness, and large space-time back onto its regular path. The van starts moving. The boys cheer as Robbie realizes he was back in his own time. Since the van returned at the exact instant it left, no one except Robbie experienced anything unusual. In fact, Robbie began to doubt what happened until a few hours later when Scott complained that someone had stolen his candy. Then Robbie knew for sure that it was all real. Well done, Colin and Robin, of course. Thank you very much for that story, and thank you all, dear listeners, for listening. 
As I said at the beginning, I would appreciate it if you could like and subscribe, whatever platform you're listening on. If you find that we're not on a platform, please let me know. Bunyip and Aotashli at gmail.com. Bunyip and Aotashli being one word for that purpose. Also, you can find our other podcast. Look for it, please. It's called Bunyip Bites. It's daily and it's got short little stuff. Some of it speculative, some of it not. Hopefully all of it fun and interesting. Or at least interesting. Thank you for listening. I will be back again next week. Bye-bye.